You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shot blocked. Porzingis with his fourth rejection. What he does is contagious. He comes in fetches. And across the lane. Baker launches it. Jack to Porzingis. Fires up the Welcome, everybody, to Locked On Knicks, the podcast that's in the 99th percentile of explaining, complaining, but most of all, entertaining. I'm your host, James Marcina, a.k.a. Ennis Cantor Stop, Ennis Walter Stop, a.k.a. Mama, I'm so sorry. I'm so obnoxious. I don't fear tubs and crockett. And this is episode 317. Mm. On today's show, we're going to talk about Mario Hazonia getting a one-year deal from the Knicks. We're going to talk about Ennis Cantor, unsurprisingly, opting into his player option for the 2018-19 season. We're going to talk about Kylo Quinn, who's probably gone. <laughs> miss you Kyle I know that sounded insincere but I mean it I'm gonna miss you Kyle if you don't come back you probably won't come back we'll talk about it we'll also talk about Luke Cornett signing a one-year deal got a bunch of good Nixie stuff to get through on today's sode I'm gonna try to make it through alive uh the podcast studio did not have air conditioning and it's about 197 degrees in New York City right now but I'm gonna do the best I can if I pass out midway through this sode Tell my family I love them, human family, animal family. Remind your, yourselves that I love you. And um, I give my microphone to, uh, who should I give it to? To Jeff Van Gundy. Why not, right? All right, let's start the show. Hit it, Marv! Yes! The Knicks signed Mario Hazonia to a one-year contract. Let's go over the facts. Mario Hazonia is a six foot eight, 23-year-old Croatian combo forward. And he signed a one-year, $6.5 million deal that came out of the 8.6 mid-level exception that the Knicks had access to this offseason. You may remember Hazonia uh, from being the fifth pick of the Chris Depps Porzingis draft. He was drafted right after KP, and he's entering his fourth year in the league. Per Mark Berman of the New York Post, the sharpshooting Hazonia was seeking a multi-year deal, but he settled on the Knicks despite interest from seven other teams. Not quite sure I'm buying that number, but okay. Including runner-up Portland. An NBA source close to Hazonia said, The main reason is David Fisdale. He sold him. The goal is to be here long-term and finish his career. He was a fan of the team growing up. I believe that he was a fan of the team growing up. New York's a huge market. If you're not from the States, you're like, oh yeah, the New York team. That makes sense to me. I'm a little bit more dubious on Fisdale being the reason he signed here. Although I think Fisdale, uh, you know, is very charming. And has uh, a positive impact on, you know, free agency situations. But this smells to me more like he didn't get a multi-year deal to his liking. Thought he was better than the multi-year deals he was being offered. So he figured, I'll take a flyer with the Knicks. I'll play one season. I'll try to build up my value. And then I'll try to get a better contract, right? So that's that's kind of my quick overview on uh, his motivations, I should say. 
So I'm looking at this and I ask myself, why is this only a one-year contract? I'm not, don't like judge the way I asked that, just as a question, right? All right, so Mario Hazonia, he's busted so far. Why are they sign him to one year and not many years? Um, and I'll be straight up with you guys because I would never lie to you. I can't quite figure it out from a Knicks perspective. Um, let me just walk you through my process. I'll walk you through my thought process, okay? So I personally do not like Hazonia enough for the Knicks to give him multiple years straight up. So I'm relieved that it's not a two- or a three-year contract. But I would like a team option on the second year for the unlikely scenario, in my opinion, if he does show um, lots of improvement. If he shows that there's more to this fifth-pick pedigree than we've seen so far in his three years in Orlando. Now, I could see why he wouldn't want to do that. Um, And like I said, it seems to me he probably pushed for that one-year contract because he didn't like the average annual value of the multi-year contracts. But it's weird to me that the Knicks would do this without that second year one way or another because if he shows improvement, then they don't get the benefit of having him signed to a pre-improvement contract, right? Now if he shows improvement, they're going to have to pay up. That's why I think at the end of the day, um, they don't really see him as someone they're thinking is going to show this improvement. Um, they need somebody to fill out the roster, and they'd rather take a look at Hazonia than Beasley for a second year, right? Um, but then, like, if he does improve, I guess, I guess, like, the the way to look at it for why even take a flyer on someone that you're hoping to develop, because if he does improve and you can somehow fit him in under the cap with this max contract that you're looking to free up, also. At least you've got a head start on re-signing the guy. But it, it's still, it's going to be a, this increased price now. Plus, um, I, I'm pretty sure, going back to that max contract they want to free up, that you would need to renounce him to get the full max that they want to get so they can go after Kyrie or Kawhi or Clay. So I really, given you know these facts as I see them, I don't see how this makes sense other than just needing to fill the roster. But maybe I'm missing something? I don't know. I guess that's possible. Ultimately, though, that being said, it doesn't matter who the Knicks sign this offseason. In fact, they should not go out of their way to sign players around the margin who might make them increase their win total, if even by a couple of wins, because the Knicks should want to be bad this year and secure the high draft pick. I mean, this is their last year that they'll be able to be this bad and get a high draft pick. We've seen that when KP comes back, a young KP, still developing with a bunch of bums, they were around a 500 team for a good portion of the season, right? So you got to figure, not in the 2018-19 season, but in the 1920 season with KP coming back a year out from the ACL surgery, like the Knicks are going to be good-ish, right? So this is the last chance for them to capitalize on getting a high draft pick for the foreseeable future, hopefully, assuming everything, you know, goes okay with KP's, uh, you know, recovery and all that, right? So, you sign someone next year, according to this next plan, a big free agent, and you've got KP, you've got Frank, you've got Knox, you've got the blue chipper from this year's draft, and then you've got that top-level free agent. So, at that point, that's when you fill in the cracks around those guys, around that core, and you'll be fine. Especially if Frank develops the way I think he will. Like, that core is going to be nice, and whoever you fill in to play around that is... You'll find someone, right? It's not imperative that they lock up 
bargain contracts for good role players this year, in my opinion. I guess there's a chance that you know the bargains to be found this year in quote unquote this free agent climate, which is supposed to be bad for the free agents, right? Good for the front offices because they don't have to pay these guys that much money. There's a chance that deal signed this year will look better than contracts you sign in any season afterward because of that unique free agent climate. But I think the risk of taking on someone who sucks <laughs> and then handicapping you in future free agent scenarios isn't really worth it this offseason. So we talked about you know how I think that Hazonia is someone they don't really look to for the future, and I think that's fine. You don't want guys who you're hoping to keep for the future on some level, right? I mean, given what's out there. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, we talk about you know signing a free agent in the 2019 offseason, next offseason. I think they'd be better off waiting until 2020. I think they should gut out the last two years of Joakim Noah. I think they should try hard to take on another bad salary that matches that Joakim Noah timeline in exchange for a premium asset. I'm talking about a first-rounder or a young player with real promise, right? Not some, like, scrap heap reclamation project. This is easier said than done, I know, but that would be my ideal. I just hate the idea of stretching Noah. I hate it. But I suppose if you got a guarantee from a fully healthy Kawhi Leonard, then I can live with you stretching Noah. (laughs) Less so with Kyrie, you know, mostly because of the injury concerns there. But I'm intrigued. I mean, he's got skills. He's got the guts to take the big shots in the NBA Finals. They took down the 73-win Warriors, all that good stuff. I'm intrigued. Um, I love Klay Thompson. I think he's a tremendous player. But he would be 30 before the end of his first year of this hypothetical Knicks contract if they sign him in the 2019 offseason. So I don't love making a big signing for a 30-year-old. You know, it's just not my timeline to the tune of the smash hit movie, uh, whatever that movie was called. You know, the one about jazz. You know what I'm talking about. Um, But I'll tell you this. The one thing that is inexcusable, they better not stretch Noah... For some like mid-tier free agent who's not going to move the knee. It's got to be a world beater. It's got to be a top-class free agent if they're going to stretch Noah. And they better not do it without an ironclad promise from this person. Like I don't want to see them stretching him on September 1st or whatever it is when it becomes three years. Just to get him away from the team. You do not stretch this guy unless you have a commitment from a like top three free agent. You know Anything beyond that I think is... Reckless and irresponsible. I'll say it. Now, given that the Magic gave up on Mario Hazonia, to get back to him for a second, what kind of player do we think he can become? I'm going to explain that to you guys. I'm going to give you my opinion in just a moment. But first, just want to remind you that you are listening to Locked On Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Mario Hazonia, fifth overall pick. You know, that's a position where you think you might be getting a star. What is he going to be in the future? I think it's safe to say not a star. He's not a star. He hasn't shown the ability to create um, at this level. He hasn't shown the ability to defend at an even mediocre level. The Magic's defense was horrible last year, but it was a couple points per possession worse with him on the court than off. I think if you watch tape, you're not going to be impressed with him on that side of the ball. Um, he's not able to hit shots under duress right now. He's a pretty good wide-open shooter, but when he's a little bit off balance, coming off screens, hand in his face, not great. 
Uh, very bad handle, three years in. He has 3 and D potential. Um, there's actually an excellent write-up by Dylan Murphy at Cleaning the Glass that I suggest you guys read if you uh, subscribe to Cleaning the Glass. If you don't subscribe to Cleaning the Glass and you've got a few bucks lying around, I think you really should. I use a lot of their stats, and they also have excellent written pieces. But So uh, in this piece, he says a lot of the things that I'm saying to you, um, and I basically agree with them. Full-heartedly. I mean, you know, Hazonia, you just got to downgrade what you expect from him. I think he can still be a useful NBA player, um, but he's not going to be that all-star that you think you might be drafting when you have a fifth overall pick. He's actually got solid vision and passing ability. He's shown some ability in the pick-and-roll. In transition, he's thrown a couple nifty passes. He's a good finisher at the rim, a very good finisher at the rim, uh, but he has trouble getting there because his handle isn't very good. And without becoming a good outside shooter, he just doesn't have the tools to get into the paint. He doesn't have the handle, and if people don't have to respect his outside shot, uh, he can't get at the rim to finish at the rim. Uh, you know, he has a good-looking shot. If you look at him shoot, it doesn't seem like some broken Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, McCall Bridges workout video-esque weird shot. But he shot only 33% there last year from downtown, I should say. Uh, although I guess he shot 37% over the last two months from downtown. That's like the meme that's going around about why there's reason for hope. But his three-year averages are bad. So I'm not holding out too much hope that he's going to knock up that percentage that percentage too much. Um, and he's one of these guys, he makes some goofy plays trying to make himself look awesome. He's got whiffs of J.R. Smith about him. I mean, he's only 23, so you never know. But I am not putting money on Zonia being a long-term solution for the Knicks. Now, the caveat that I always caveat when I say something like that is, I hope I'm wrong. I want nothing but the best for Super Mario, but my expectation is that he's not going to show too much improvement. I don't expect that. I want to talk to you guys about the other big Knicks roster move, and that is Ennis Cantor uh, not opting out of the final year of his contract. He'll be making $18.6 million during the upcoming season. He dragged this out way beyond the point of anyone caring. Uh, He kept insisting that he hadn't made up his mind, contrary to published reports from Shams Tarania, among others. Um, Also, he could bless us with a truly awkward politically-themed tweet. It was a photo of him at a podium. There were American flags in the background, and on that podium was a sign that said, Make Nick's Great Again. I mean, I guess that's your joke to make, Ennis Cantor, with you and your family, under siege by uh, an evolutionary Trump, if you will. But still, in my opinion, uh, a little bit of an odd choice. Not my favorite. Make blank great again jokes. Not into it. There's too much horror behind this present. Sorry for not sticking to sports for uh, this next 30 seconds. But uh, I don't love the make blank great again jokes. Let's, let's wipe those clean. Not that funny. All right, so am I angry that Ennis Cantor opted in? No, of course not. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. He's getting $18 million for one year of service. You know, how can you say no to that if you're Ennis Cantor? Especially as an old school center, you know, without so far much of a three-point game or a lot of other things. Um, In this free agent climate, you know what I'm saying? He's going to opt into that. You can't not opt into that. I'm not mad at that. Uh, You know, his corniness level is just off the charts, but I have no ill will toward Ennis Cantor as a person. That shit with Turkey and him and his family is as real as it gets. And I honestly do wish him as a person, seriously, all the best as he deals with, you know, that ongoing nightmare uh, with his home country. Uh, it's sad, and I feel for him. That being said, 
if we ask ourselves what role should Ennis Cantor play next year on the Knicks, I answer that question with he should not get a ton of minutes, ideally. He's not part of the future. He's just not. The Knicks don't see him that way. I don't see him that way. He sees it that way, I think. <laughs> Poor Ennis, you know? He's a sweet guy. But he's not part of the future, so every minute we spend on him is a minute not spent on someone who is part of the future. I've seen people make fun of this man, more on him later on in the podcast, but I'd rather see Cornette get uh, a lot of his minutes. I would rather see Mitchell Robinson, you know, once he gets up to game speed, uh, you know, get some of those minutes. Um, you know, I'd like to see a touch of small ball, ball. I'd like to see a touch of small ball lineups with fours playing at the five. Maybe Hazonia, you know, maybe Knox when you're feeling a little bit frisky. Uh, why not Frank at the five? You know, when he inevitably closes out the season uh, as a seven foot two point center. I mean, have you guys seen Frank? We haven't talked this much about it. I haven't really taken my victory lap yet, but I've been calling it for a while. He's going to keep growing. I've been calling it. He's easily two inches taller than the six foot five Moutier at this point. It's remarkable. And I just got to give myself a pat on the back for knowing deep in my bones that Frank's bones were not done expanding. Phrasing. And his canter. Let's get back to him. He's not Jarrett Jackie enough. To be the veteran mentor that a young team needs. You know, I guess he could teach the kids some post moves. How to set maybe a halfway decent screen. Although he's not great at that. He's just a lot better than Chris Stapps. Uh, I guess he could show them a thing or two about offensive rebounding. But I don't like how he sells out for O rebounds to be off, To be honest with you guys. To be completely honest with you guys. Often to the detriment of his transition defense. Sometimes he'll even neglect his rim protection duties to kind of turn around and just start boxing out for the offensive rebound. So I'm not sure I want him imparting that wisdom on our youth. And talking about just on-court development of everyone else, uh, Cantor's offense, we've seen it, it clogs in the lane. Unless, you know, he has been working on his three-point shot per some social media posts, so maybe I'll be surprised there. But he slows down, uh, at least historically, he has slowed down the offense, uh, slowed down the ball movement once he gets the ball. It's kind of a black hole. He's very efficient down there, but... It's not good for just uh, playing kind of a motion offense. Once the ball goes in, it doesn't come out. It's, I don't think it's the ideal guy to have out there to further everyone else's development. And obviously his defense is poor, so the team is going to suffer as a whole while he's out there. Um, so, and his canter. I mean, good for you. You earned that $18 million. I'm not going to take that away from you. It's your right to sign in. I'm not going to give you shit for that. Um, I think you should be chill, though. About not getting too many minutes, I worry you will get a lot of minutes, but I don't think you should. That's my official opinion on the matter. I want to talk to you guys about Kyle O'Quinn and Luke Cornett to kind of round out our discussion on Knicks centers. But first, just want to remind you that you are listening to Locked On Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and rate us five stars. Once again, that's Locked On Knicks. Kyle O'Quinn has opted out. Of the final year on his contract, which means we've probably seen the last of Kyle Quinn, especially with the Hazonia news. They've got a couple million dollars um, left over in their mid-level exception that they are rumored to want to use on Mitchell Robinson. Um, for some reason, I'm not exactly sure why they want to structure it that way. We'll know more about that in the coming days, I assume. Then they've got like their $3.6 million biannual exception, which is less than Kyle Quinn was set to make if he opted in. So, ipso facto, I don't see him sticking around. I'm going to miss him. I think he would have been a good part of the Knicks' future. I would have liked to have seen him extend his range a little bit, but he was 
better at not clogging the lane due to his you know mid-range ability uh he was a nice passer out of the post he kept the ball moving he played good defense he was part of some good lineups uh he had a great year last year and he's gotten a little bit better every year he's with the Knicks so salute to you Kyle O'Quinn sad to see you go I understand what you're doing though rumors that he might sign with Golden State Warriors can't fault anyone for doing that other than Kevin Durant you bum so, you know, it is what it is. Happy trails, Kyle O'Quinn. Thank you for your service. We did re-sign Luke Cornett, which I'm glad to hear. Um, I think you've got a future as a possible backup center. And um, potentially backup four. He could be a power forward. He, he was like slightly sleet of foot for a huge gangly dude. I think he's got some potential there. I think he's got a lot more potential than Hicks, at least that he flashed last year on the big stage. Um, I like him. He has good potential. They signed him for $1.6 million. I liked what he what I saw last year. He protected the rim. He shot threes. I think his three-pointer is going to get even better as he gets more minutes. Um, and he's someone who I would like to see get more minutes than Ennis Cantor. Um, that may be funny to some of you, but I don't see why. He's got potential as a backup big. Develop him. Play him at the five and the four. See what you got. See what you got. Uh, he's not commanding a big salary. Great pickup. A-plus. I give this pickup an A++++. How you like that? All right, short and sweet. Just wanted to get you guys caught up on everything that's going on with the Knicks. We've got lots more to discuss. We've still got end-of-season grades to hand out from last year for the starters, some important ones. right? We've got to talk about Alonzo Trier. We haven't talked about him too much. The guy the Knicks signed is an undrafted free agent out of Arizona. Break down his game a little bit for you. And all kinds of fun summer stuff. We've got Summer League coming up this weekend. Uh, Lockdown Knicks is going to be fun. Forever, but especially the next couple of weeks. All right, that's it for today's episode of Lockdown Knicks. Thank you so much for listening. If you got a moment, rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the show if you have not already. Tell your friends about the sensation that is Locked on Knicks. If you have not already, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Knicks for bonus takes and just general camaraderie. Got some good conversations going on over there. You can also follow me on Twitter at NBA Injury Report. Be chill to each other. Easier said than done. I don't always follow this advice, but I try to. I'm going to tell you guys to. Spay and neuter your pets. I always follow that advice. That's no joke. That's not a laugh. Do it. Don't be a bum. Unless you're a professional breeder and you're doing it responsibly. It's, you know. um, if it's yellow, let it mellow. This is very important. But if it's brown, flush it down. It stinks, right? We're not animals. Always salt the pasta water. And take that, take that, take that. For data. That's it for this episode of Lockdown Knicks. Peace.